This is the Coin Guy Podcast with your host, the Coin Guy. Uh, on this podcast, we will be talking about coins, academia, teaching, uh, English as a second language, and all things that generally interest me. There will be guests from time to time, so sit back, enjoy, and I hope you learn something. So hello everyone, Uh, welcome to the Coin Guy podcast. Uh, Today I am interviewing my good buddy Alan, uh, one of my old classmates from Carleton University. So we're going to be talking about kind of education, what it was like going to school in Ottawa, what's the situation now, um, and yeah, just a little bit of reminiscing and talking about the field of archaeology as a whole. Uh, It's not going to be too coin focus necessarily, but we'll see what happens. So how's it going, Alan? It's going all right, John. Yeah? Uh, you know, usual. Mapping. History. His- map- mapping. History. Exciting. <laughs> uh, good stuff. So introduce yourself to the audience. Well, uh, I'm Alan. Alan D.K. Armstrong. Uh, originally from Ottawa. Still living in the area. But now, I don't know, uh, I guess now I'm uh, doing my thing in geospatial history, and uh, I'm doing that for Parks Canada, where I keep track of all of Canada's historic designations across Canada and internationally, and which involves GIS, geomatics work, mapping included, and I also do it on the side. We're also do 3D modeling and more mapping and yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We'll get into especially some of that terminology a little bit later because, yeah. but I barely know what it means. Um, don't want to go too hard, too heavy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we met at Carleton. Yeah. Uh, we both did our undergrads at Carleton. You then did a master's at Carleton, right? Oh, no. No masters yet. Ah, oh, right. It was, where, where did you go after Carleton? I don't remember now. Uh, I went to Algonquin, and I did their museum studies program. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, so the diploma says. <laughs> as long as it's in writing, that's the most important. Yes, thing. it is, and they spelled my name right. Yeah. So, how did you end up getting into kind of archaeology history? That whole thing. It's a long story. We got time. Go- we got time. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, I don't think I was just, I was born with it. Yeah. Just always growing up. I had this, you know, fascination, fascination with history and it, you know, history movies, old war movies, you know, history books, medieval knights and castles and stuff like that. And then it really came out. It was uh, grade seven. I had a history my first history test, I almost got 100%. I'm like, you know, I'm actually pretty kind of good at this. Mm. And I just kept going with it, kept focusing on history. And through the rest of elementary and then high school, and then I got into Carleton in their history program. And, you know, I did the other courses that rounded out, but history was always number one. And from there... I was introduced to the classics, mm-hmm. 
antiquity, classical studies, and that's where I met you, John, and everyone else. And that's where my history kind of broadened into ancient history, antiquity. And that included, you know, Greece and Rome, of course, to start off, but then Middle East, you know, ancient Persia, Iran, Egypt, you know, all those other places. Yeah. And so I took courses and brought in my history, all that. And I eventually graduated with that history and classics. And wasn't exact. I did go for, I did apply for a master's at the time, but I just couldn't cut it. I'll be honest. I couldn't cut it at the time. Didn't have the marks and the languages. I, you know, two years of Greek, one year Latin, but they wanted more. So that's fair. That's fine. Um, so from there, uh, I was informed about the Museum Studies program at Algonquin College in Ottawa, just for, you know, international viewers. Um, so that was three years where I learned everything you need to know about the inside work of museums. Mm. So artifacts, artifact care, preservation, um, you know, how to conserve artifacts, different types, how to, um, you know, how business, museums are run. So not too heavy on the business financial side, but just, you know, how they kind of operate. And from there, or through that, I should say, I um, had some field work, some work in the industry, a couple of historical sites, buildings, I should say, or, you know, places. And that got me, you know, more experience with that, about how museums, you know, museums work in the field, like professionally, but just not as, you know, not a, not a federal, you know, museum, but just sort of more local. And, and yeah, that was, that was a good time. I learned even more stuff and it, it fueled my, my fire, my drive for this thing called history. And exactly. Um, however, after that, I hit a brick wall in life. So, you know, nothing. I, I had a, funny enough, my first attempt at getting to the parks was just before, or just after I finished the museum program. Yeah. I moved to the interview stage, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't cut it. Um, so I didn't get that job. And so over the next, so that I graduated in 2015, over the next couple of years, just, I tried keeping in, you know, history museum field, but I just couldn't land one. So I did other stuff, but then early 2017 is when I discovered this thing called geomatics or geospatial fill in the blank. Okay. Yeah. JS. And so I just started, went down a rabbit hole and I realized, wow, this is something I could really apply to history. And museum okay, so stuff. Yeah. What is for the for those of us listening slash myself? What is geomatics? Oh, I should have had the official de de <laughs> definition listed I up. Uh, prepared for this. Ah. The one thing I didn't prepare. Um, basically, it's applying math and statistics to um, 
I can quickly look up, look up the definition if you like. It's okay. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. okay. Basically, okay. Basically, it's applying math, but more so statistics, to um, using. Oh, geez, I don't even <laughs> how to say it properly. It's just um, to not just map stuff, but just find solutions to mapping issues. Okay. You know, global, you know, terrain issues. Um, so, you know, property boundaries, waterways. And that's just GIS, you know, GIS yeah. work. There's also the, um, oh, why am I forgetting the word? Um, uh, geez, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the word. Um, satellite, not, not just satellite imagery, but. Um, like satellite imagery? Yeah, uh, geez, what's the... I love how despite all of our education, we suddenly be like, oh, remember that basic thing that we learned on, like, day one of class? Yeah, we've completely forgotten it. Yeah. I just haven't used the, the phrase in a while. Um... I, I get that sometimes, even with, like, the first-year archaeology students. What, what was that thing that you learned ten years ago? Uh... <laughs> yes. what the professor explained to us that first day of class remote sensing ah. okay Slash. although now it see um earth observation is kind of like the new i don't know maybe the new hotness to say it but remote sensing is the other aspect of that where you look at the earth using imagery and you do you do all kinds of you know formula processes to determine results from that yeah. you know land cover tree cover okay stuff like that water sort of you know how you know water systems however that's not you know i did that uh but that that wasn't my focus mine is more in the the pure the pure geomatics parts okay yeah cool See, it's it's interesting that you mention this because, I mean, I lied and one of the things they've been discussing is we need to do more uh, digital skills for students. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, I mean, they're talking about that is just simply that how to write an email, how to use Excel, which half our students right. actually don't know how to do properly. Right. But also, I mean, I see so much stuff right now for GIS, geomatics. Mm. Uh, like, I think that's that is the big hot thing right now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so hot right now. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> the new Hansel. <laughs> and oh. you're right. Um, it's it's kind of that creep, not creeping, but that lesser known thing that just everyone realizes or they're realizing that, oh, we kind of need this. Yeah. And surveying, don't forget surveying. Surveying is a big, is another part of that because... To be honest, my despite all the work I do with my mapping, it's only 95 to 99% accurate because I'm doing that from 
my you know my computer. Yeah. If you want one hundred percent accuracy, you get the surveyors out there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe ninety nine percent, depending on what. But you know, it's generally ninety nine to one hundred. So if you want an official, you know, boundary, whatever, you do some surveying, yeah. and from there, my geomatics comes into play. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Because that's a big. Not to go too much into it, because I can't talk about it too much yet, but that's a big thing with my work at parks right now is determining boundaries and property. Okay. Mm. So what lies and so what sites and does it, what designations lie where? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So um, without giving away too much information, so is it more of a what's in what municipality or within what province, that sort of thing? A little more, yes, but also a little more scaled scaled down. Okay. So um, private versus public property. Okay, got it. Government property, indigenous lands. Okay. Um, and, and then there's um, the... Um, climate change aspect mm. of, oh, this site is, or this heritage building is, used to be 200 meters away from the river, but now it's 100 meters. Okay. Uh-oh, what do we do about that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, and then recently, just to throw this in there, Abbott Pass Refuge Cabin up in the Rockies, we had to take it apart and move it because if we left it for another, I don't know, year, the edge of the mountain would have eroded right up to the to it, and it would have collapsed. Okay. Cool. So, so you're looking at that data then on a map and saying, and then somebody else is potentially making a decision saying, okay, move this cabin, excavate this site, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And would you say that stuff's happening in Canada that's different than elsewhere in the world, or is it? Or are these, is this like a big international type thing? Uh, it's international. Everyone, every country, every continent, whatever has, you know, geomatics, geospatial issues that need solutions. And it's just with Canada, we, um, you know, we're so big. We have basically every province has their own respective issues or I don't know, geospatial requirements, so to speak. And then it's the, you know, the matter of the cold, like the up north part, the snow and the cold. Yep, true. And. Ah, that's, that's quite cool. Yeah. So, I mean, getting, getting back to, and we ended up going on a massive tangent there, but that worked out very well. Um, yes, it did. Carleton Pretty University. Uh, yeah. Both of us studied there at the same time, and that's, that's how we met initially. Yeah. Uh, was it the Barbarians course was our first course together? Um, was it? I thought we had... I think so, maybe? Maybe something before? Possibly. But that, yeah, that would have been funny if that was our first, because that would have been, what, three years into it or something? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I think I was actually in my second year that I managed to, 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 to sneak my way into that one. Okay, then that would have been my third. Yeah. Like, since we, after joining Classics there. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that was the first. Yeah, I think I think yeah. so. So because I know we had a bunch of seminars together. Yeah, I was trying to uh, remember. Yeah. 
Did you do the uh, War with Carthage course as well, the seminar? No, unfortunately, I couldn't. After you had left, or I don't, I don't possibly. Okay, I was trying because I know because I know a couple of great courses came up after I left. I'm like, yeah, you you just missed it. Yes, the same here. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Oh, there's that one course I always want to take. It was the dinosaur course. Sciences. I could never take it because it was it was offered every second semester or something. Yeah. And other courses, priority courses took priority. Yeah. I can happily say that was the last course I did at Carleton. The famous well, good for you. I but... did it I, I did it online, no less. Okay. Just too busy. Yeah. I don't remember what I got in the course, but I remember I passed it. Good. That's good. basically all I remember. John Hammond will be proud. Yep. Ah, Oh yeah. Uh, for those again, for the for the people who didn't go to Carlton listening to this, so we always had to do electives, basically like extra courses that we are well rounded students. Whether that actually made us well rounded is up for debate. But we, there was one course that a lot of people did, and it was literally called the Dinosaur Course, and it was like a second year Earth Sciences course, basically for people interested in paleontology. But a lot of people did it as their elective because it was like it was it was the dinosaurs. I mean, what's not to mm -hmm. love? I think I still have the textbook of that one kicking around somewhere. Well, good. Ah, good times. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, for well, that barbarians course, remember it, what was it? Rome and its enemies. I think was the the technical name for the course. Yeah, I saw those textbooks too. Yeah, I, st I think I still have have those as well yeah. somewhere. In my grand. Classics library. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, good. And so again, so this is how uh, Alan and I knew each other, and from the classics department uh, and the, the classic society. Still, and I think I have some of the the Pantheon party photos kicking around somewhere. Yeah, so do I. My do, do you still have the lion head? Um, yes, it's in my basement. Nice. Uh, I may, I, I may update it. Now that we mention it, yeah, it's worth worth an update sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So we were in it. We were in a social uh, group or club, basically known as the Classic Society. And there was a there was a plan at one point when it was founded to kind of assign each person a different part of the Greco-Roman pantheon. You were Hercules, if I remember correctly. Uh, originally Hercules. Okay. Yeah. Did you get demoted at one point? <laughs> Uh, no, I was promoted to Zeus after oh, right. Sean, yes. yeah, John Walters left. Yeah. yeah, I think I ended up as Ares slash Mars the entire time. Mm. Basically, as the, huh, he's in the military, let's make him. Okay. <laughs> no argument here. Uh, yeah, good times. Uh, so what was the thing you remember the most about Carlton? Um, let's see. I do like the campus. Mm. Um, great spot. Um, you want me a little little controversial? Oh yeah, damn! I'm down for a little. Um, well, I'm all for getting new buildings. They've I haven't agreed with all their taking away the greens green areas. Oh yeah. Um, while not sort of reinvesting in some of the older buildings, like yeah, where the classes department is and history departments. Yeah, because weren't they going to get rid of the Patterson building at one point? Yeah, that was a rumor. But they've been saying that rumor. Where? 
10 years now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, I mean, you've also kind of mentioned with like Algonquin and stuff like that, you have kind of your highs and your lows academically. Mm-hmm. What got you through that? Well, um, just, I don't know, boil it down, my drive. Like, I've never been the best student. Like, I've had my, like I said, highs and lows. But it's just the, the drive and the the passion. Not just passion, but drive. I think yeah. that's, because passion is one thing, drive is another. Drive is the core of it. And that's what got me through it. Like, even though, you know, there's, there's, there's moments Drive is what kept me going, and it's what keeps me going now. And it's what got me to go back to school to Carleton for the second time for my GMAX degree, and what led me to get this parts job. Nice. So yeah. I, I think that's really important because, I mean, I know when I was entering Carleton, it was kind of the if you don't go to university and you're not a top student, you're basically a failure at life. There was mm-hmm. that big kind of mentality. And I think now looking back, most of us didn't know what we were doing. Mm. The majority didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Even people in, say, more specialized, may, well, maybe not, but yeah. so then degrees. If, yeah. if, you, if you had, like, say, a group of first-year students going into, like, a classic history type thing, whether it's Carleton, mm. Leiden, wherever, yeah. what would your, be your biggest advice for them? This is kind of like more, maybe a, more of a business financial term, but I've applied it to my own kind of advice giving is diversify your portfolio. Ooh. Yes. Um, that's what I did for my GMAX degree. Sure. I went there for history, but in all the projects I did were, you know, were focused on all kinds of aspects of, you know, geomatics but I branched out into 3D modeling. Sorry, I was going to say modeling, but in this case, 3D modeling. Um, 3D modeling. Each his own, you know. Exactly. A uh, little bit of, you know, remote sensing. Even did a, mach- like, baby's first machine learning project. Yeah. Just don't, um, and even more technical stuff, like trying different GIS programs, or software. And that's one thing. So yeah, like don't be afraid to diversify your portfolio by jumping out, jump. Sorry, I shouldn't say by branch challenges in different aspects on all you know, up, down, left, right, different fields, different programs. Yeah. Um, because that's one, I don't maybe one negative thing I could say. The only negative, possibly the only thing negative I could say about the GMAX program at Carleton is that they don't they focus too much on the proprietary paid software okay rather than more open source as well like so you can get both worlds because even though at parks we're focused on the proprietary software i i use the open source as much as i can because i just prefer that not to you know you, you stick it to the man yeah yes yeah, right yeah yeah that's yeah. what i use for my my own personal work qjs oh. Yeah, and uh, an Inkscape and and Snap. That's an open source remote sensing software. So yeah, don't be. Af- and with that, like, don't be afraid. And Blender. How can I forget Blender? 
Mm, yes. Like precious 3D modeling software. <laughs> Open source, free, do amazing things with it. And so yeah, don't be don't be afraid to diverse to get out there, try sort of, you know, branch, branch out. You'll keep your focus on what you want to do, but look at everything else around it to that's good, that, uh, especially with like the open source stuff, because I think even when we first started, a lot of this stuff was just starting to be talked about. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, within that, you also have, I mean, a lot of people, when they hear archaeology, classics, history, they kind of go, well, that's a useless degree. What are you going to do with that? So where where do you see like degrees like ours going kind of long term? <sighs> um. They've kind of always been a little specialized, well, a little specialized, but I can see them becoming more technical, technical, that's the word. They've always been a bit technical. I can see them becoming more specialized and and even more technical because, you know, GIS has always been a part of archaeology, even though you don't, haven't already, you know, people don't always, haven't already, haven't always realized it, but now it's becoming more so because if that's um um because that's like as a an example that's in the geomax program at carlton one of the non-electives is the archaeology course mm. so and i think vice versa or something yeah and right. so when you think about it like oh we're we're digging a site wouldn't it be helpful if we knew on a map where it was yeah and one idea I have that I want to try to do more of is building. Oh, I don't know if I don't know if I should say this. Give away my idea, <laughs> but but it's to build archaeological sites in three D if it's not already being done. And I don't just I don't just mean you know your photogrammet photogrammetry, yeah, or um, you know GIS version where it's just layers on layers. It's just a full three D environments you know you put your trenches you can map out where your trenches are we you think you should dig next where your camp is yeah all this you know all this sort of planning and building and so yeah i, I see our archaeology employ implying more implying implore employing more <laughs> even more gis but geomatics Creating modeling, remote sensing, because it it implies it. it it's used it for years, as far back you know, for at least a hundred years. But now with all these all this new software coming out and new ideas, it's just it's gonna just branch out even more and just grow and grow. That's cool. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of this kind of techie stuff. Mm -hmm. techie, techie stuff is what I call it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds, I mean, you've mentioned the open source open source stuff, which is good, but a lot of this sounds quite expensive. So, I mean, for Canada, the Netherlands, some other countries, maybe it's very easy to get this stuff, but what, how do we feel about how is this then going to be used for, say, other countries that nest can't necessarily afford this? Because there's a big talk of where do, you know, first world countries or uh, the global north sit in the scientific world compared to everywhere else. So mm. how, do you, how do you feel with that stuff? 
well, that's the beauty of these open source softwares is this they're they're free, free to download, free to use. Sure, there might be some paid aspects. Some might, you know, the occasional, you know, paid, you know, plug-in add-on you need, but 99% of it is free to use. Like Blender. You can do anything. It's just free, free to download, free to use. And there are paid sort of, you know, packages, like someone builds, you know, a medieval town worth of assets. You can pay for that. But generally the whole software is free. So people, you know, first world, second world, third world, anywhere can just download the software and look up a tutorial on YouTube and get going with it and just, you know, get right head first into it. Yeah. But then could you not have this problem? Because again, it's the, it's the classic, if everybody can use it, that means everybody can use it, including potentially global actors that we don't want to be using this thing. So fair. Is there a way we can limit that? Or is there, is like, is there a concern within the field of that? Not that I've, well, I know one issue I've heard about that is, oh, they're not going to like this, but so Esri, the proprietary software, the, you know, the number one GIS software company in the world, um, they, when the Ukraine war start, Ukraine, Ukraine, Russia war started, they, you know, officially pulled out, but the people that they, the company they use in Russia to contract, to kind of distribute their software was still selling it. Mm. So even though they officially pulled out, the software is still being sold and used. Yeah. And that's the case if, so, so that's the case with some of the, with, with this is that they're a business. So they're still trying to make money. So do they just stop selling their software? Do they just yeah. pull out, let other people sell it? So, which is where open source comes in. And as far as I know, anyone can download it. You know, even, you know, the enemies of the West or whatever. North, okay, maybe North Korea, Russia, China. They can download this this these software unless they unless they have their own. Yeah, which is you know probably the case. But I mean, one of my thoughts, of course, was I know when uh, the whole ISIS thing was kicking off, mm. there was rumors of basically archaeologists working for ISIS. Hmm. They knew where the sites were, what to dig, what to sell, etc. Because that was a yeah. big way that ISIS was uh, financing itself. Yeah, and I know it sounds like some really shitty Netflix special of a, <laughs> the battle against ISIS archaeologists. Um, yeah, but I'm just like, yeah, I guess if everybody can use it, everybody can use it. Yeah, that's the the down one of the downsides to open source software. Hmm. Anyone can use it. <laughs> So then, I mean, because I, I know like, if this was also discussed within our faculty recently, so like chat GP thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's going to affect the way we teach in the long run? Because if everybody has access to this kind of software. Yes. In a way, yes. Because I'm already hearing people using it to write papers. Um, I also heard that a guy wrote a program to identify if a paper is being written by chat, GP, GPT, chat, whatever. Chat AI, chat. whatever. whatever yeah, is. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, professors, teachers, educators, TAs, can't forget the TAs, mm -hmm. um, 
are going to have to be more, even more, um, I don't know, not determined, but more stringent, more stringent. Yeah. Creative, even creative, more, I don't know, something like that to like, to identify like if these papers are not just cop, you know, not just plagiarized, copy and pasted, but written by a, you know, a, an AI program. And yeah, because that was one of the things we were discussing was kind of what are things that we can do as educators um, within our faculty. And one of the things was, for example, if you ask a question on an exam or like as an essay, discuss something that was discussed in a class. Obviously, ChatGPT can't do anything because it wasn't there. Yeah, that seems to be one of the going strategies. Mm -hmm. um, it's not yeah. with writing numismatic stuff as well, quite sadly. Um, well, it's good and bad, but good is it, I guess, yeah. I mean, well, I, I think it's just I it's it's it. data for some, like some subjects, it just doesn't have enough data mm -hmm. built in, so. Okay. Because I've tried playing around with it to see if I can, like, get some interesting stuff about numismatics or interestingly written, and it kind of, it gets very repetitive very quickly. Because mm. hmm. I... Islamic numismatics is not a big enough subject, apparently. So the AI has a big on it. Well, it just needs you to keep putting in more... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then... Oh, God, I'm training the, the AI. <laughs> Am I creating Skynet? I hope I'm not creating Skynet. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. I well, if you do create Skynet, technically it might be CoinNet. And all it would do is just build a robots to dig up coins. Oh god. Oh, no, god. There. no, no. This is not where I want this to go. This is not at all where I want this to go. All right, all right. What have I done? We'll does make that sure to get like androids that kind of look like me a little bit. Probably, yeah. Oh geez. Oh nobody wants that. Literally <laughs> nobody wants that. Uh See, this was the stuff they don't cover at Carleton University. No, no, it isn't. No, they don't. Uh, what, uh, what, what, what are some of the big things you remember from back in your time at Carleton? While we were prepping, oh. I was like, oh, good times, best times. What are some of them? Well, I did love our classics parties. Yeah. Of course. Um, the people I met... Friends I made, yeah. uh, professors I met and were taught by. Um, uh, I don't know, playing hockey there. Just, I don't know, just experiencing it. Yeah. Not just for the, sure, for the experience, but also for, you know, growing as a person. Yeah. And just, I don't know, just, there's this. <laughs> Did you say quad about Carlton? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think uh, a big part of, like for me, because the classics group was, we were also such a small group because we were mm -hmm. a very small department. So we yeah. kind of all knew each other. And it meant like you actually got to talk to people. Mm -hmm. like, you, get, you got to know the professors as well. Yeah. And I think that was a big thing for us. The lounge. Ah, yes. Exactly. We'd all gather and then, you know, students, professors. Yeah. 
um, people who worked there, you know, it was just a, you know, a melting pot. Yeah. Place for us to just hang out. Yeah. Mm. And actually grow. Again, you got to from people. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know who's going to show up. You never know who, what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Sometimes entirely random stuff. Of course. Yeah. There's lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, again, for those listening, uh, at where, where our department was, there was a lounge that was shared by us in the religion department. Uh, it's basically just a room with some couches and there was a coffee machine and some printer. Um, and the fridge. Don't forget the fridge. The fridge. There was a fridge as well. Very, very critical component to a lounge. Um, and it was, just, it was basically just for social and study. Um, I think some people fell asleep there as well multiple times. <clears throat> I wonder who they were. Yeah. <laughs> Not possibly me. There, there's definitely not one or two photos out there of me sleeping in the chair. There definitely are. Yes. I may have taken several of them, actually. Probably, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that was, I think, a big social thing. And and I mm-hmm. love that because I remember going into university, I was kind of always told, oh, you're just going to be a number, nobody's going to care. And then that got completely shattered and proven to be untrue. Hmm. Um, well... At least for most of Carlton, uh, you know, at Min, maybe not, but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, still don't know my name. All these years, yeah, yeah. but I, I think that's that's really important because again, I, I know from seeing the first years here at Leiden, they they've all kind of come in with a very similar expectation of you're just going to be a number. Mm-hmm. It's like no, we we do know most of you by name, especially if you mm-hmm. cause disturbances. Um, disturbances in the force. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that? I joke with, with some of them that for first year field school, I will remember their names when I have interesting tasks to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's all awesome. Tell, tell Alexander of you. I will try not to. Well, I meant in terms of knowing every single one of his troops, just not ah, the yeah. whole genocide part. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I, I thought you were going somewhere else with that one. Um, no, no, not that part. Yeah, let let's try not. No promises, but let's try not to. Okay, okay. Then are are you happy at the end of the day that you've kind of taken this path that you took? Oh, hands down. Yeah. Um, it's just this is just be my my perp. You ready for the motivational? Yes. Motivational part. Always down from good motivational speech. Um, this is my purpose in life. Yeah. Just, well, I just didn't know it until I, you know came into it, but geospatial history is just and ready for the my tagline for my business. Yes. With my purpose. Preserving the past in the present for the future. And yeah. And that's what I do. Um some days it's, you know, you get, you know, sure there's low you know, drag days where it's like, oh, what am I doing? But ultimately it's like, what am I doing? Is doing this history thing so that we don't forget where we came from for where we go. And yeah, there's just so much to it and so much you can do with it that, you know, you just gotta, you know, jump into it. Like you think history and just history, but geomatics, geomatics, but you just jump into it and you, start exploring it's like oh i can do this i can do that it's like 
and not just for you know GMAX and history, but for archaeology, for numismatics. Just you know, every day, every week, there's new finds, new digs, new like, oh, look at this, look at this. Yeah, I remember. Uh, what was it? A, a stat for like the British Museum? Something mm-hmm. like 02 percent of their collection collection is actually on display. Like that. That is a shocking amount of yep. items then that they've yep. basically barely touched. Um, someone was telling me for Iraq, we've only excavated like 15% of the country. <laughs> like just for Iraq. There you go. I'm like, gee, um, that's still quite a bit to uncover. The person who got me into geomatics, so to speak, Sarah Parkak, you know, she's yep. a archaeologist. She uses GIS. Yep. Space archaeologist. Yes, her. Um, like a few years ago, she said Egypt, 99% of it is unexcavated. It might be, you know, 97% now, but that's still a huge number. Oh, yeah. Um, so then where do you see the future going? So I'm like, if, if someone was in high school right now and they were kind of going, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, this uh, history archaeology thing. Where do you see the field and like the degree going? Wherever they want it to. Whoa. No. Uh, it, um, more. Like, well, yeah, like, yeah, like I said, more specialized, more technical, but more open. Um, hopefully, more of it. Um, because you know, sure, you. Some digs get all the money, others don't. You know, you may not get paid that much, but there's more to it than that. And just, I'm sorry, you can kind of say you can't, but basically just go with it. If that's what you really believe in, go for it and just make it what, make what you want of it. Nice. Because there's so much you can do. Anymore, this it's a big planet. Yeah. You no, know, metaphorically, it's trunk, but it's still a big planet. Lots of ground, lots of water. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is something I know. I I say to the first year, uh, any of the students, basically. Um, we all take different paths, and it's not necessarily going to be like a straight line path. You know, it's going to be a weird, crazy loop, loop de loop. Um, and you're going to end up where you end up, and the good, the bad, and the ugly help with that. Because mm-hmm. um, I would not be where, you know, I would not be where I am now if I would have gotten, you know, scholarship after scholarship after scholarship. Because mm. I've had to work. Well, I still work. Yeah, um, exactly. You, you've you been working your ass off to get here and to get where you're going for that PhD of yours. And exactly, you can't, it's all, <laughs> the, that whole stereotypical phrase it's not all sunshines and rainbows like you got to work through it the good the bad everything yeah and there'll be times when you want to give up but there'll be others that you're like just pull through just push through days <laughs> there you go um yeah that's uh tuesday, tuesday for me yeah. sorry tuesday for me ah tuesdays you're, you're rough one. Dude, mondays right now aren't bad i just have lectures not too that's managing Monday for me is like okay, it's a new week. What am I going to work on this this week? See, see, I love that. I love that kind of mentality because even mm-hmm. uh, I always get asked, you know, what got you into archaeology? And other than the standard, you know, 
fedora and uh, Indiana Jones type of answer. I just love it. There's like, there's no, there really is no single answer that I can give that makes sense where it's just like, yeah, I just, you know, I, I didn't have that like aha moment. It was just, I just love it. I love what I do. Mm -hmm. There you go. Same here. Did, did you have, did you ever have like that kind of, oh my God moment where like you saw something in a book or in a lecture and you were like, I want to know more. Oh yeah. Easy. Um, all, uh, what's a, what's a good example? Um, oh, I say that and yet I can't think of one <laughs> there, there's been I don't know, that first Sarah Parkak video yeah. really impacted me. Um, seeing geomatic, different geomatics talks over the years, geomatics works, work. Um, I don't know, well, sometimes. Um, oh, even, I guess even LinkedIn, going on LinkedIn and following people who are doing this stuff and just saying like, oh, geez, look, look what they're doing. Yeah. How, you know, yeah, even I mean, I because I, I follow enough stuff on you know TikTok and Instagram and Twitter mm -hmm. and whatnot, and just the amount of stuff that's happening mm -hmm. literally every day, it's crazy. Uh, what if we want to talk about you know people being inspired and creative, we have to mention Shelly. Of course. uh, so Shelly Hart, uh, a friend of both of ours who sadly passed away last year. Um, I will always remember so when we did, I, I did this course on. It was basically Rome versus Carthage was the theme of the course. Mm -hmm. And we had to present, like do a five minute kind of teaser. Here's what we're going to write our term paper about. I did something about the Roman Navy, like the development of it. Something very basic. Um, wasn't my best work, I have to admit. Um, mm -hmm. I think I still ended up getting an 80. There you go. But So Shelly, she comes in with a pair of scissors and a tube sock. <laughs> and... We're all sitting there going, okay, where's she going to go with this? So she starts discussing basically the competitive aspects of religion and circumcision. That face, that face right there is exactly the, and, and she holds up a sock. And the pair of scissors, we're like, and this is all of us, including the professor going, where are you going with this? She's like, well, you know, they had this tradition, but then other traditions wanted to be stronger. So they went further. So, and she cuts part of the sock. And then this tradition, and she cuts the sock further. And basically there was nothing left of the sock by the end of this five minutes. And I think all of us were sitting there cross-legged like, oh my God. <laughs> as we're just all, all the guys in the room just terrified as we're like, I mean, this was brilliant. But that, she would do that. She would get these things that like uh, brooches, I remember was one of her big things. Mm. And you could tell she was so inspired by it. But yeah, that's a good example of someone who just, she took what she loved and she just ran with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen a couple other, you know, very similar where they just took it and ran with it. Yeah. And you're doing that right now. And so am I. <laughs> and yeah, like for me, uh, uh, okay, well, there's one, well, when I, summer 2018 was taken on as a research assistant for, you know, uh, 
for that dig at Gabi outside of Rome by Laura Benucci, when I was there for six weeks, I didn't see, I didn't go into the Coliseum until the third last day. No. Yeah. I left on the Monday, Saturday. I finally went in on the Saturday. I had been walking around it the whole time. First day I was there, I touched it. I was able to touch it. I got a picture of that. Hey, I didn't break. There was this one pillar that was open, not pillar, but arch, part of an arch that was open. There's no fence around it. I'm like, I got to touch it. So I touched yeah. it. Um, even though the way I originally phrased it to people, it sounded like, did you break in? Um, yeah. Or say they're not. So, yeah. So I finally went in, like walked around, made, made it like walked into that the entrance, the section where you just see everything. Yeah. It was broke down. It was so emotional that I finally got there, finally got to see it. And it was just like this huge moment for me. Mm. And that further sort of powered my work because I kept powering through, like wasn't always my best work for the GMAX program, but I powered through Yeah, and did all kinds of stuff. And I eventually did this talk March, 2019 for Matics. Um, look up Gojiomatics, people, if you're interested in geomatic stuff. Anyway, even if you don't live in Canada. And just as soon as I finished, you know, the guy who got me this job at Parks just came right up to me. And just people kept talking about, just like talking about my work. And afterwards, I was just so inspired from it that I kept going, going and going. And I eventually landed this Parks Canada job from it. And I just I haven't stopped. I just keep going and going. Sure, last year I may have had lulls at time, at times. But I'm pulling out of it. Like even well, even then I was still doing all this this work towards you know the benefit of Canadian history and geospatial history. And it's just any it's you know there's all these countries in the world. That need people to, you know, the same thing. Yeah. Geospatial history, archaeology, numismatics, to pick up them, to pick up, you know, to run with it. Or dig with it. Dig with it, yeah. Dig yeah. with it, I think is the appropriate one for this. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. And there's just the tools are out there, readily available. And like you said, like you asked before, or say before. Even anyone can access this, you know, these softwares and anyone can use it. Excuse me. That may be so, but not everyone can keep going with it. Yeah, true. Like, that's not to say that people are, you know, it's a fad for people. I'm just saying the people who already have that drive want to do this. Sure, they can't afford to go to school or something, but they can access these soft the software, they can access YouTube you know, online tutorials and learn from that and, you know, get their own experience with it and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. See where, I, see where they go. Yeah, I totally agree with a lot of that. I mean, at the end of the day, if if you want something, you will find a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, because I work in, you know, Central Asia where mm – -hmm. You know, they don't always have the best equipment, but some of the best archaeologists I've met, they find a way. Um, and I can even say that about my students. I mean, they're not all coming from great backgrounds necessarily, but 
the ones who want to be there, you can tell. It shows up in the grades. It shows up in the papers. It shows up. I wish there was a better way that I could show. This student wants to be here. This student is just here. Mm -hmm. The differences between the two of them is mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think that's one of the biggest things about education now. Uh, especially because, again, we always get the, you know, archaeology doesn't pay well, so why bother? If you if you want something, you find a way. Mm -hmm. Exactly that. Yeah. And I think that's also a good point to kind of wrap up wrap up on just this. Already? Oh, okay. Well, how about part one? Yeah, I mean, this may end up being <laughs> the, the part, one. part two down the road. Yeah, part two down the road. Yeah. More definitions next time. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank. Thanks for uh, talking today, Alan. And uh, oh, you're welcome, John. Thanks for having me. Sorry. Letting me get on my soapbox. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 good. I th I think it's important for people to kind of hear what other people are doing mm. um, in the industry. Yeah. Mm. Plus, they're sick and tired That's... of just talking about coins. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> And well, uh, I've only been doing this geomatics thing for, you know, five years now, including school. So, you know, I've only been at it five years, but I've been in it. Yeah. Like I work my ass off to get where I am now to get right in it. And I still have lots more to go, lots more to do, learn. Yeah. So get after it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you take care, man. And, uh, to my listeners, Better, thank you yeah. for listening, and uh, hope hope to see see everyone again. Yeah, have a good one. Cheers. Yeah. This has been the Coin Guy Podcast. Hope everyone enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to ask questions, I can be reached at uh, the Coin Guy Twenty Three on Instagram. Also on uh, YouTube as The Coin Guy. You can also look up Jonathan Willett on the Leiden University website. I'm quite reachable by there. And uh, yeah, TikTok as well. Coin Guy 613. Ottawa born and raised. That's how I roll. I hope everyone enjoyed today. And uh, thanks for listening. See y'all next time.